Hey, it's Nick. We got a big topic this week. Artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a juicy one. You want to you wanna stick around for this one. Um, no sponsor this week. I will say, since we are starting back up the pod, we're looking to you know collaborate, get some partnerships, get some sponsors. Um, if you work for a company that would love to sponsor the podcast, you know, shoot us an email, myretailspodcast at gmail.com. Um, or if you have any other thoughts or ideas, you can always email us, um, you know, even questions. We like to occasionally answer questions on the pod. Um, and also give us the like, give us the subscribe, give us the five-star review, all those things, whatever your medium of listening to the podcast is, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, um, you know what to do. All right. I'll keep it short and sweet. Let's hit the amazing intro by Kyoshi the Kid. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And we're two designers in the big city. Sweating the small stuff. <laughs> James, how you been, man? I've been all right. How you been? Been good. It's, I mean, it's nice to get back in the groove, you know? Yeah. We're um, grooving. Yeah. Doing this, the weekly pod now. I know. We gotta, look at us. We gotta, uh, we gotta get some good, uh, topics, research and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, anything happened to you in the last week? Of note? Oh, let's see. Uh, you know what? I, I did go to some design events. Um, I don't know. It seems like there's a few design events going around the city yeah. this month. And I'm not entirely sure if it's like a coordinated thing or not. But um, mm. yeah, there was two events last night. Uh, I went to see Kiki Chudakova's new bench in um, Dumbo. Nice. She designed a, a bench called the Spiral of Life, and it's a public bench, which is kind of fun to do. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a beautiful little organic design. Has kind of these stone slabs that are put vertically, and and then uh, kind of looks like a wave. I think that was her inspiration. Was like watching the river, the East River, yeah. the Hudson River. Yeah. Um. And then I also went to a launch of Sophie Lou Jacobson's lighting collection for In Common With which is much more, um, I would say, more like kind of art side of design. Mm. The very beautiful, like, glass-blown lights. Yeah. Uh, but That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you've been, what have you been up to in the past week? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I we have had so well, much. Well, first of all, I haven't been invited to a single design event. Everybody's well, like, should, oh, James has a child now. <laughs> he won't want to go see some... A public bench. Well, here's the thing. Here's here's what would happen, James. Is I would invite you to something. You'd be like, oh, sorry, I, you know, I can't, or you know, I appreciate it, the invite. It's you want you want to be wanted. That's no, it would, it, yeah, exactly. I want to be desired. I uh, well, no, I would like end up bringing Clara, and she would climb all over the bench. Uh, like, yeah. you well, know, no, I mean, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, the bench is like public, and well, there you go. Kids are climbing it on. There it you now, go. So. What if I just but, uh, show up to open bar design events with my two-year-old? Um, the fancy lighting was not, yeah, that was like expensive lighting, you know, like $5,000 <laughs> lights. We don't want Clara. Yeah. Clara off. <laughs> no. Could you, could you get down, sweetheart? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be, uh, That's funny. Um, got the new iPhone. Well, I don't have it yet, but I ordered it. 
Yeah, likewise. You, you ordered one too? Likewise. Um, it's, I, it's been a couple generations, although you have a better claim over, you've got a 10. Yeah, 10S. Right? So I'm four years in. Yeah, I've got an 11. Yeah, that's still. But I mean, it's got a, it's, it's got a, quite a cracked back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you're, it went to case? the chiropractor. <laughs> you oh, totally Frank. destroyed my phone. You have a case though, right? Or you're, yeah, I had to get a case okay. or else I would just be like slicing my hands open. <laughs> Texting um, on my phone. I realized something yeah. about the new iPhone that I missed last podcast. And it's kind of a hot take, I think. And I don't oh. think anyone has talked about it yet. Um, so I have the 10S. Bring the heat, Nick. And it has a notch. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was the... Was it the... No, it wasn't the first one with a notch. Um, the 10? 10 was the I think it one. was the first one with a notch, yeah. Okay. But mine was the 10S, so it was like a year later, but which is the same phone, just different, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I was just comparing what I have now to the new one and with the dy- dynamic island. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at dimensions mm-hmm. of the new iPhone versus mm-hmm. my 10s, And I realized something, you know, I, I have kind of the small one and I was, I'm buying the small one, the 14 and the width of this is the same. But the te- the new iPhone 14 is, I want to say, eight millimeters taller. Oh, which th- I then realized is just they didn't get rid of the notch. They essentially just added screen around the right. notch. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So it's the same. It's the same exact dimensions. It's like same placement of everything. Right. It's like the the placement feels like it's the same. Hmm. It's just instead of shrinking it, they just added more. So it looks like it's smaller. <laughs> <laughs> that is my beef. I think that's, I think that's, I don't think. Are you outraged by this? I'm not, I'm not outraged. <laughs> but it's just like a funny thing. Cause in my head I was like, wait, I think they just tricked everyone. Yeah. Cause it wasn't like they shrunk the notch. They just added more phone. Right. Essentially. Right. Um, I think I've brought this up on the podcast before maybe, but I always think about like what future phone infographics are going to look like because like, how do you, how do you represent oh, like a an phone? Icon. Yeah. How do you represent a phone with an icon when like we're getting into an increased, increasingly <laughs> like notchless, buttonless yeah. world? It's just going to be a rectangle with maybe some lines on it to represent like the reflectivity of the glass. Well, it's or like maybe the ear slit, like the, but I feel like eventually they're going to put the microphone in like between the like glass and the case. I think it's kind of like the save icon, right? Where it's like a left, you know, cause you have the phone icon, right? The handset, but I think it's going to stay, man. I think it's like the save icon where it, it almost becomes its own meaning. Mm. Wait, so you mean like a notch? No, no. I'm I'm saying you're you're saying like what are the what's the phone symbol gonna turn into? Yeah. If it's just gonna be a rectangle. Yeah. You know, currently phone symbol is like the banana shape thing. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even say phone because I but I mean I don't just mean on on the phone. Like I mean like when somebody is representing the phone as an icon in like a different setting, like apart from your uh, phone. Like a storyboard or something. Yeah, like a storyboard or like even an infographic like in a public space yeah. that represents a phone. Yeah. How do you 
represent the phone when like the front of it is increasingly becoming featureless. Right. It's just like screen. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Cause it used to be, you would have a little button at the bottom. Yeah. The home button. Yeah. And now there's no home button and there's like a notch now, I guess on some yeah. things. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. We need some, we need like a graphic designer to weigh in on that. Um, um, yeah, that's my hot take. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I wanted to bring up something cause you know, obviously we haven't, I haven't discussed this with the wider world, but I've of course discussed this or shown this to you, but, uh, an update that I have is, uh, what last month I bought or no in July, I bought some easy foam runners. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause like, okay. When the foam runners first came out, I was like, those are cool, but I definitely shouldn't just like go in on it. Cause I wasn't sure if I was just like wrapped up in, in the, the moment. Yeah. And so I've literally been looking at that shoe for what, like two years since mm-hmm. it's been released and been like, you know, like I still love this shoe. It's like iconic. I still think yeah. it's a great, awesome shoe. I mean, especially as an industrial designer, I mean, maybe this isn't the same for everybody, but I like the sort of like fly knit kind of shoes that were, I mean, still are somewhat like, you know, that's, that's kind of like the standard sneaker. Right. Like they don't excite me. Like I love this sort of like EVA shoe revolution that's happening right now because I feel like it's just pure sculpture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that part of design. I love form. And so like, I was like, I need to, I need to buy this. Like it's time for me to buy this. I mean, it's, it is one of those kind of iconic products where it felt very bold and out there when Kanye released it. You know, it's almost like a cyber truck of the footwear industry. Right. Yeah. But in like the total opposite direction, more like art nouveau rather than whatever you would call the cyber truck, cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, you got the much, black ones, right? Huh? Yeah, black. Nice. Yeah, Onyx. And they make them in your size? They do. What, did, was it? Didn't you? Didn't they not make them in your size or something for a while? No, it was just that they were really expensive. I oh, think. Okay. Um, but it was funny when we had our meetup, our minor details meetup. Lucas from Doris Dev, I I wore them to the meetup, and Lucas from Doris Dev was like, he was looking at my shoes and I was talking about them, and he was like, yeah, you know. At a certain size, they just don't scale right. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on, man. Because, oh, no. I, yeah, I mean, I am. A, a, They're just too big? Unfortunately, a size 15. My wife says that, that it looks like I have hooves. Oh, my gosh. Um, but I still think that they're, I still think that they're sweet. I love those shoes. I think I, they look cool. Um, I didn't think that, James. I don't think they <laughs> But, and of course, like right after I bought them, I went and bought some Seth Fowler apothecary nice. socks because nice. I was like, I need some nice socks yeah. if I'm going to be wearing these shoes around. And got to buy the, the Friends products. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. I've only worn them like two or three times in public. The Yeezys? The Yeezys, yeah. Really? Why? Why? You scared? Well, I've also been like, you know, as I said in the last episode, I've been biking a lot. Oh, right. Okay. And I'm not sure how they would fare in the... Bu- like, I don't know if they would just get torn up, like, yeah. against the pedal or, you know, like, against the, like, chain guard. I don't right. know what kind of scuffing yeah. 
would happen. So I'm just like kind of hesitant to take them biking. But yeah, I don't know. They also feel like a special occasion shoe. Mm. <laughs> they, they feel like they feel like you know, like a dress shoe or something. That's hilarious. I wonder what Kanye would think about that. I don't know. I mean, spe- speaking of Ye, he's been on his little he's been on his little kick recently. His, oh yeah, his business uh, debacle. Yeah. So he's he's like parted ways with Gap. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just watched uh, I guess an interview this morning that was talking about it. He was, you know, ram- rambling his normal rant. Yeah, wearing um, those new gla- sunglasses. Yeah. That I, I don't know what to think about those. <laughs> well, they're f- they're flexible, right? Yeah, they're like com- it's just like a piece of mylar. Yeah, it's like I, die cut probably. Yeah, I'm just like I what like I really don't know what to make of them. You, you know what? You know what? Kind of reminds me of when you go to the eye doctor and they give you the plastic <laughs> little like sunglasses. Hmm. And they're like just really flimsy, you know, or like movie theater. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it feels very, it feels very on brand of like organic sort of like future nostalgia because right. it feels very. It's like two thousand, like late nineties, early two yeah. thousands, that kind of vibe. I mean, that's the next trend, man. Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, you know, we're in our nineties, clear plastic, but like, give it right. another five years, we're gonna be in two uh, thousands. You know. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the topic that we're going to approach later, I think is going to take us into the next like Art mm. Nouveau phase, like yeah. the, the organic 90s Art Nouveau phase that we saw. Um, I mean, but, there's, there's been a lot of business things going on, I feel like, in the design world. Everyone's like... What's that? I mean, just like design news in terms of like... Mergers and mergers acquisitions and... and departures, you know? <laughs> Um, I guess the, the other thing that happened was Adobe bought Figma. Yeah. Which I don't, I've, I've dabbled with Figma a little bit. Um, and obviously, you know, I'd say most everyone uses Adobe products. Um, but I think it's a nice little software. I was, I was considering using it for like mood boards and presentations, but I know it's pretty heavy into the UX scene. A lot of UX designers use it. That's what I understand, but I, um... I've also seen like industrial designers use it for, so at Peloton we use Miro, which is like somewhat comparable, except I don't, I don't know that they use it for like UX UI, but you can. It's like a mood board kind of app. Yeah. You can use it for like, um, presentations, mind mapping. Like, I, I mean, especially during sort of pandemic times where everybody was remote like using that as sort of like a shared brainstorming space mm. where it's like live and you can see everybody's mouse and you can like, like I started sketching in it, of course. Yeah. Like I, um, wait, you can sketch in it directly, like with your phone. Well, or you uh, yeah, you probably could sketches. with your phone, but I was doing it on my iPad with my pencil, but it's like, it's, it's similar to the notes app and okay. that it has like, only a couple right. tools, Rudimentary. but it's That's kind of cool though. It's, it's very, I, you know, you know me, like I'm a sucker for like an app that's, that's like super simple in terms of like, you know, sketching tools. Like I just want the minimal amount. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have found it very good for just like, I've incorporated it just into my everyday life. Like I like, it's sort of like a limitless. You put your grocery list on it. Yeah, exactly. I, it's kind of like a limitless canvas space. 
that you can add frames into, but you can just drop images into and you can then download those images or download PDFs like of, of your slides. And the nice, one of the, one of the like super shortcuts that I've learned over the past couple of years is like, I don't think I knew until I came back to Peloton and we were using Miro that like, if you snip something in, I, even in, even on Mac, but like if you use the snip tool, yeah. you can just like paste, right. like go directly to paste. Yeah. Like I, Control didn't, v. I yeah. didn't know that, but like the, like just like snipping things and dropping them into Miro to just like, just, you know, speed up the workflow. Like, you know, just like, snipping a rendering like right. doing key shot renderings that you don't even render you're just like waiting for them to clear up right take a snip drop it in miro like get a nice little like iteration story going it, um, yeah i mean it kind of feels like these apps have become the new pinup boards yeah you know like pinup mood boards or like sketchboards or something well yeah i mean anymore i find pinterest like really constricted like in terms of like the ui yeah like the way that you can interact with like the the imagery like it's just not it's it's like too yeah it's too constricted one thing that i've thought about a lot especially with my design process um you know, especially like rethinking a lot of the structure of my studio is uh i've used these digital pinup boards mood board mm. organizing tools and i've tried a few of them but I think it's missing this one key feature, and that's this static state of the real pinup board, right? Because mm -hmm. in real life, you can pin stuff up, and it just stays there. Right. And you walk by it, and it might catch your eye one day, or you might think of a new thing. It's kind of like this subconscious thing in the back of your mind. Sure. And it's much harder to do that if, or find that in this digital space. Yeah. I'm not really sure what the solution is, but I think that's one thing that I've thought about a lot is like, I think it's really important to have your ideas out on the counter or pinned yeah. up just so that your subconscious mind can be working on them. Mm. Yeah. I like that. That is nice. I think the one thing that I like, uh, that, that maybe you wouldn't have with a physical pinup board is kind of this like more free flowing, um, record of your process. Mm. Cause like that's, that's where I use Miro. Like literally my process in Miro is like, is like, you know, snake, like it just yeah. like goes around the board and just kind of like flows in different directions. And I, that's, that's kind of what I like about it. Like I agree that there's still something to like pinning so something up, but I feel like that's, that's kind of like the next step after you've like been just like fussing around with Miro. Like you then decide like what's worth pinning up, what's worth printing and pinning that's up. That's fair. That's a good point too. Um, but yeah, like in my personal life, like I just one board that I started to create was, um, was this, I've started recording from my memory, like objects that I encountered throughout my life that I, that like recur in my memory all the time. Interesting. Like, so okay. trying to find images of them and put them on the mirror board because like, I'm like objects you own object objects that I owned like, like or throughout my entire life. Okay. Objects like a, that I owned like objects that I just encountered yeah, yeah. like, and just trying to like think like, 
you know, what is there a common thread or like, are they influencing me in some mm. way? Or like, am I reaching an aesthetic now that like it is something that I was fascinated by as a kid? Um, you know, I think it's like, I think it's important for us as designers, industrial designers, like whoever, you know, whoever you are, if you're working with physical products, like I think it's interesting to try and think about like the products that had an impact on you. Yeah. Like however small, but like there's obviously products that had a substantial impact, but then there's other products that like, yeah, like you just, you just remember sitting in your room as a kid, just like staring at something for right. a long time. Yeah. I definitely like when I think about my toys as a kid that's where yeah. i like start to daydream of like oh man i remember like th this transformer or like you know whatever it was it was yeah like, I, I remember like specifically like some of the transformers that like i think maybe my first one i think it was just a fighter jet and i don't even think it was a branded transfer i think it's off brand oh really but it was so cool I that's know, cool just like you know one of those things that's like oh i've never played oh you know what another cool toy was that i had um <laughs> did you ever did you ever have those cars that you pulled them back and they zoomed, mm -hmm. but this one would zoom and then uh, launch an airplane after it started. Whoa. Zooming. Yeah, so it was like a spring-loaded airplane, little tiny airplane, <laughs> and it would fit on the car and it looked like a car. And then when it stopped, uh, the car stopped, it would like pop the airplane out and shoot the airplane too. That's wild. Yeah. That's very cool. I could see that being very memorable. Yeah. Uh, was that a branded or just like a off brand? Uh, it probably had a brand. Actually, I'm sure it was like something like, yeah, car flyers or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. But yeah, I, I, I've recorded that. And then the other thing is like, if I'm ever shopping for something for the apartment, like a specific object, yeah. I'll start just like collecting Putting like, options. yeah, collecting all the options and then like looking them over. Yeah. Uh, and linking them and one other tool i just taught you this today yeah uh is google lens oh yeah um so i don't know i feel like this is part of um the design process where you design something you know especially when i think about like furniture or lighting where it's uh, it's just been done a ton and so you know the odds of you coming up with something unique is it's pretty slim and you always want to make sure you're, you're not kind of infringing or stepping on another designer's space so you kind of look in the the field to see what's out there and make sure like, Oh, my chair idea is unique enough. Yeah. Um, but it's, there's not like a good way to like be very sure of it. Right. Cause mm. you know, there's a gazillion chairs or whatever. So, right. Uh, I've been starting to use Google lens as a way to kind of cross reference. And if you guys haven't tried it yet, but I mean, it's, it's just simple. Uh, you can take a picture of anything, you know, whether it's, you know, a, a chair in the street or like, you know, a lamp, yeah. uh, render that you did and Google will find the exact chair or similar chairs. Yeah. Well, we were, we were out at lunch today yeah. and, uh, there were these chairs, you know, outside we were going to sit down and I was like, I was like, Nick, are these, these hay chairs. Yeah. And, and we're like, no, well on the bottom says Ikea. And Nick was like, step aside step like aside. put on his sunglasses and was like check this sh out yeah. and then just you know you shut you shot it with the lens yeah and then it came back that it was the hey collaboration with ikea yeah and it wasn't even like a good photo it was just like a yeah. photo from across the street and just yeah. like it's wild how like you know the ai can do that yeah i that don't was, even know if it's AI. that was great 
I mean, that's a segue to our next topic. But well, we still have, we still have a, another design news too. Just one more, small one. Ultimaker and MakerBot merged. Yeah, big big print. We got big tech now. We got big print. Oh man. Oh, they had. We also had a big fern too. Big furniture. I mean, this was a while back. This is past two years. What's that? Herman Miller and Noel merged. Oh, they did. Yeah. I well. That goes to show how much of a rock I've been under. <laughs> um, yeah, I, Miller Knoll is their new. They. Oh wow, interesting. Thing. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ultimaker MakerBot seems like. I mean, does it seem like an obvious? Yeah, like uh, this is just sort of the consolidation of like. Yeah. The the printers that have come out. I've of like the, the FDM variety yeah. that have kind of like risen to the top right? Um, of like the pile. Cause I feel like, you know, for a while we were in this kind of printer war thing of like, who's, who's going to be the best. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now I feel like there's, there were like three major players at a certain price point, which was like, Ultimaker, MakerBot, Formlabs. Right. That's what it seemed like to me, at least. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, now we have the FDM printers combining their might to... <laughs> to take down Formlabs. To take that? down Formlabs. <laughs> I you, mean, they're different tools, for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely um, different. I actually... So, yeah, maybe another update is I've become a Prusa boy. Mm. I mean, I've had Ultimaker... Oh, I haven't had, but, like, past jobs, Ultimakers, past jobs, MakerBots, um... And I've moved into the Prusa, Prusa mindset now. Mm. Um, and I love it. I love the Prusa. You know, I think... Endless prusa abilities. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, turn it off. Turn it off pocket. We got to cut that out. Well, oh um, yeah, obviously, the Prusa is much more of kind of a DIY mm. printer. But I feel like printers have gotten so good in the past five years. You know, I feel like... I almost want to say five or 10 years ago, it was still this kind of thing where you had to always be fixing the printer, even yeah. like, even like the good ones. I mean, I always had, I've had issues with both Ultimaker and MakerBot. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, we've just come so far. I think and the quality of, of Prusa is just as good as the other guys. Hmm. Um, and it's open, you know, you can use your own filament, you can print your own parts. And I don't know, I kind of, I kind of switched over to that, that mindset i think it's just nice um and haven't really had many issues with my printers so you fi- have fix you don't have there. to do like any troubleshooting even using different I, filaments I, yeah i've had a, a a few fixes that i had to do but yeah. other than that um that's cool yeah i mean for me it like it has to be so plug and play for me to be interested yeah you don't want to mess around i don't want to mess around and i i didn't I never really had many issues. I know people have had, had issues with like the MakerBot. We had the Replicator Plus and like peeling builds mm, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I guess I was never really printing anything that big, but I feel like I didn't have many issues. Also, I had my printer in a closet, so I don't know if that was like <laughs> insulating the temperature or something. Yeah. But uh, I always really had a lot of fun using the MakerBot and then... Um, I mean, they came out with the, what's, what was the last one? Yeah. The method, um, which was like, I never really got to use, but that one had like more of like the heated bed, like everything. No, we used that a little bit. 
At Control Labs, we had that. No, at wait at Control Labs they had. Yeah. What about? Well, I know that they had it at Peloton. Yeah. Um, I guess yeah. we're at that point. We were not really. There were so doing the. We were just doing the design. The work little the, the not so little secret about the New York startup scene especially in hardware is that like <laughs> it's a small pool and so many people come from like there's so many people's origin stories that either start at like quirky or MakerBot yeah. or um I feel like there's another startup that I'm forgetting but like there was and then like the startup scene here kind of like blossomed out of those things because it attracted all of this like hardware talent yeah um so yeah it's interesting so like yeah, I mean the the you know makerbots being in different places is like partly the result of people having come from makerbot. Yeah. <laughs> um but I always I always liked using the makerbot printers but now like um we have like a really nice shop at Peloton and like we've got like Ultimakers and Form Labs and but I just like submit right. a part. Someone else is doing it. Yeah. That. yeah. Um That's nice. But yeah, I don't know. Like, does this mean? I don't know much about the merger, to be honest. Like, does this mean that like are they still going to be developing separate product lines? I don't know. I mean, you know, the thing about these things is like businesses will say one thing, and then you know, three years down the road, it's like, oh, sorry, right, it's gone. It we mixed it. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. um, and they're also like MakerBot was still owned by Stratasys, so Stratasys is now. Like the big, the big one yeah, yeah. that, that owns like, I mean, but Stratasys is more of like commercial. Com yeah. Very commercial. Whereas as Ultimaker and MakerBot, their mission has always been like bar low barrier to entry. I mean, it used to be really low. It used to be like, you know, hobbyists. Right. And when they kind of went prosumer, that kind of made a lot of the hobbyists upset. And even, you know, Ultimaker used to be a lot more open than it, is now I think now they have, you know, some new systems where you kind of are uh, encouraged by their filament. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Huh. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, actually, I have a good friend that works at MakerBot, and he was he had told me about the merger. I think before it was, you know, a big story. Yeah. Insider um, trading. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or maybe maybe it had already gone through. Honestly, like my memory is so bad now. Yeah. Like my, you know, I I'm feel like I'm gonna blame way too much about uh, like being a parent and having lack of <laughs> sleep. But yeah, I he seemed pretty excited about it. That's good. Um, we should get him on the pod sometime. Yeah, I mean, Ultimaker is like a a really nice. I think they're Dutch. They Dutch. Yeah, you know, just like they make quality things. You know. Yeah. Um. Um, so yeah, that's, I don't know. That's, that's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see like all these, these companies that kind of like came up scrappy and now they're starting to like, you know, put on their business suits. Yeah. I mean, they got it. That's, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind the of the cycle of, of life, things. right? Like yeah. it's, you know, it, you it, start a company and some, at some point you gotta kind of sell it. Right. It or, seemed like a lot of people were kind of upset about the, was it an acquisition of Figma by yeah. Adobe? Mm -hmm. it, it did seem like people were upset because I think many people saw Figma as like an alternative yeah. to Adobe. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this is where you get to like the antitrust. Is that what they call it? Or mm. anti whatever. When they try to big, break up big mergers where right. anti-monopoly, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm not as knowledgeable on that kind of stuff, but yeah. But anyway, the uh, topic of the week, James, <laughs> we got a good one, a yeah. juicy one, <laughs> something that uh, everyone's freaking out about. Um, artificial intelligence. Yeah. It's going to take, it's going to take over. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. maybe Taking not. our jobs. Taking our jobs. Um, yeah. I think uh, I definitely went down that rabbit hole, I guess a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, Have you taken a shower since then? <laughs> I got to tell you. Uh, so the, I had a friend of a friend who got me an invite to mid journey, which was kind of the very first, um, I would say public ish, uh, artificial intelligent, what image generation yeah. software. I don't know what you want to call it. I'm sure there's a specific name for it. Um, you know, I think what it was like a year ago or a year and a half ago, there was that, you know, Dolly came out with this kind of blog post about like, oh, you can make a, an avocado chair or something, right? You can type in words and it comes out of chair. And I remember, I, I'm not sure if we talked about it on the podcast, you know, but I just remember being like kind of like amused, but not really like uh, impressed. Right. It was like, okay, it's like cool or whatever, but like, it's not very good. Yeah. Yeah. And then a year goes by and you know, now we're blown away by the stuff I can create. Right. Um, but I got this invite to kind of the, the first public, uh, software mid journey. And for five straight days, James, I was just powering through, just, <laughs> just making things for five straight days, you yeah. know, typing in all the chairs, all the, you know, all the design <laughs> I could ever think of. Um, I'm not joking either. Like I would <laughs> see this, this is the problem when you, you know, you, you, you run your own business is like, there's no boss telling you like, Oh, you got, you better do your work today. Yeah. It's like, I'm just, you know, for eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. And it's a discord app. So even on my phone, I can do it. Oh so, my God. I was just obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. Staying up to like 3am doing it. I don't know what, what it was. It was just like this wild thing. So maybe we should, for anybody who's not so familiar with it, your mom, for instance, yeah, yeah. like how do these, how do these AI systems work? How do you like get yeah. images out of them? Yeah. Like yeah. what is the process? Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, the, they've created these machine learning algorithms, which essentially just scrape the internet for images, you know, it just goes on Google images and just searches everything. Yeah. And when you have that much data, you can kind of extrapolate what certain words mean. So if you type in dog to Google images, you know, the AI, if it scrolls enough, it kind of understand what, it, what's a, what is a dog. It right. understands what that is. Um, but it's also a computer. So it's searching every dog breed, every, you know, iteration of a dog, you know, every adjective. So it, it learns all these words and you know i like i think initially a lot of people thought it was like cutting and pasting google images Mm. um but it's not doing that at all it's much more of 
imagine like teaching a toddler what a dog is and then the toddler can paint like hyper-realistic images you know (laughs) and you give them a paintbrush and they you know paint a dog um so that's my understanding from what i've read of kind of the overview of how these things work and i think even the developers who created some of this code can't really draw connections at a certain point Mm. i mean they know kind of the basis of like feed it information yeah but you know when it gets into like well, why does an AI think dogs have ears shaped like this? It's like, they, there's no, there's no way to figure that out. You yeah. know, it's just a bunch of nodes kind of making random connections and re- reinforcing themselves. That's wild. Yeah. I feel like I first caught wind of all of this, all these things that were happening from discord and also from design theory, John, John Mariella did a good video on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, I think also, you know, what was funny is when it, you know, when it was very, at the very beginning of all this, where it wasn't really well known yet that, you know, people had access to this AI software. Um, I wanted to see if I could get a Instagram post on render weekly. Oh, I wanted yeah. to see if render weekly would repost an AI image and not a key shot rendering or a, just a 3d rendering. Yeah. Um, I think that week was, a what was it? Paperweights. Mm. And so I did a bunch of paperweights <laughs> and they posted it. And I remember like people were really confused, uh-huh. which I think does bring up a lot of, you know, we could get into like the ethical or like the idea of, is it design? Um, you know, is it design if you aren't designing the thing? Like, right. is it design if you're just typing in the prompt? Right. Um, Well, yeah. I mean, the interesting part about it to me is that it kind of turns every designer using it into more of like a design director or curator than it does like a designer. Right. Um, Because like, I think that there's a lot of concern out there that something like AI, Dolly, Midjourney, whatever, whatever ends up, you know, being the big one or the big two, yeah, um, will sort of like take over the jobs of people who are, like, you know, sort of like purely aesthetic design and like maybe junior designers like coming up with ideas. Yeah, I think like the fear is like a lot of the kind of reskinning jobs, you know, like yeah just kind of your generic branch, just throwing some generic, you know, speaker case on a speaker and selling it. Or, you know, I even think about like, I think what a lot of people think is like marketing will just start using AI Mm. and not even have to hire a designer. Right. It's like, Oh, we need to make X amount of SKUs. You know, we could hire a designer or we could just pull images off of AI and then send it to China and get it, get it made. Totally. Um, which, is probably not how to make a great product, but it'll make a product. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. So, so in that case, like completely eliminating the designer from the equation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think too, I've, I've had some ideas about this of like, what if you could literally, and I'm sure people have done it or have started doing it. It's so new too. It's only been happening in the past three months where these are kind of widely publicly available. Um, where 
we could just create a project. I think I was kind of working on this stool concept, but you know, stool side table, something really simple and make it an AI and then send the AI image to China and mm. just say, make it and see what they come up with. Yeah. It's more of a conceptual project, but um, I think specifically with that, what I ran into uh, the issue was, is I wanted the project to be about AI mm. and be about this idea that AI had created this design and I didn't, or maybe I did or whatever the story was. Um, but the AI was so good that it made a design that doesn't look like it was made by AI, which right. is funny. It just made a simple stool. And I was yeah. like, the one I picked out was one that was like, I wanted to pick the weird ones. Cause those are the ones that felt like they were designed by a computer, which is just kind of ironic. Cause like, it's almost like AI was too good in a right. weird way. Right. Um, yeah. I think the most shocking thing to designers and creatives is that like we've always been told that our jobs are like the most secure mm. in terms of like will ai ever replace us right because it's creative right yeah and now it's like oh wait we're the whoa. first ones to we go might be, yeah exactly <laughs> like it's not even the truck drivers it's the <laughs> it's the designers it is kind of funny that to think about that i think too there's there's kind of the argument of well AI is just taking Google images, right? Like it's taking right. inspiration from Google or, or whatever, whatever kind of repository. It's taking images from the internet. Um, and, you know, you can't really say that's like creative or maybe it's less creative than designers because, you know, we're, we take inspiration from everywhere. Right. But in reality, like we're taking the same inspiration. Like we are also like taking inspiration from images online yeah. and even throughout our life we encounter an object and that object also probably has an image representation online as well. You yeah. Think about like I think especially in New York, I feel like a lot of us take inspiration from just like the city. Right. There's plenty of new, like you could type in, you know, chair designed by traffic cone or yeah. inspired by a traffic cone and you know, and I feel like at a certain point in your career, like, if you're designing for a certain brand or you know your brand very well, like I think that this was discussed a long time ago when there was the whole discourse on Instagram of like, you know, design lies, like what is industrial design? Like right. we're only showing like the pretty stuff and we're not showing everything else. Yeah. And so like, I think in a way like, you know, this is just expediting like one portion of the design process um, and potentially just like enriching your exploration. But like we're also our own AI algorithms, right. whatever, like you yeah. were saying. And I feel like at a certain point in my career, like I'm more or less able to like figure out what the right like physical solution for for a problem is without much um without much iteration you know like i can sort of like see my way to like right. the idea fairly quickly yeah but if you have enough constraints for sure but then it's like but then it's like okay well now i need to like cat it up which i guess there are maybe some ais that are getting to the point of like 2d to 3d yeah but then it's like okay well then i need the physical feedback from that model 
once I print it, model it, whatever, tweak. And then I need to DFM it, which like at this point, AI, like I could, maybe I could see it getting there, yeah. like being able to do a bit of that. But I, I, I do just feel like there's this huge element to the remainder of the process that AI doesn't, hasn't captured yet. Right. I, I mean, I know that like Fusion 360 has like the AI of, of sort of like, you know, you take an object, you, you show like where the loads are coming from and right. it'll put out something that like is sort of like optimized like in terms of material stuff. Yeah, yeah. Gives you a bunch of options. So like, yeah, I just don't know when all of that is going to merge together to like capture the entire process. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a good point. I think obviously those, those tools I'm sure are coming, you know, this idea of creating 3d objects. I mean, obviously I don't know if, if uh, you've seen this or not, but Meta's uh, 3D world that they're building mm. for like VR Horizons, I think it's called. Um, I believe it has some kind of AI capability where you can type in, I want to see a building with trees and it'll populate a building with trees. Mm. Um, now, if I don't know what that data set is based off of. Like, yeah. I wonder if they're feeding it like every game asset that's ever been created. I think that's kind of the logical step for um, the 3D world. I think when it comes to design though, that's gonna be tough because you know all these AI systems run off just mountains of data. You need mountains of data yeah. to get these things to work nicely. And it's gonna be hard to grab all that data to create like a speaker box housing or something. Mm. Um, it might work. I mean, I think about like GrabCAD, you know, that has kind of data attached to like names and, yeah. you know. Um, it is interesting. I mean, I'm sure it's coming, you know. Yeah. But it feels like... We're not going to get replaced yet. We're but. not going to get replaced yet. And I think, I don't know that it's going to replace us or just like, make our jobs something slightly different. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the common thing with any new technology, right? right? It's like, whether it was the printing press or like tractors or whatever it was, it was like, you know, farmers were like, oh no, they're going to replace us. But they just bought the tool and they use the tool. Yeah. Um, And right now it definitely like, I, I feel like for the most part, if you showed me an image of a product that was designed by a person versus designed by AI. I think I could tell which is which. Right. And this year, next year. Yeah. Next not. year, maybe not. Um, but like, I haven't seen any, anything through AI where I'm like, Oh, that's a beautiful object. Like I haven't gotten to that point yet. I've seen a lot of AI images that mm-hmm. have been created and I just haven't, I haven't been impressed with like the final product. Like I could see like a step further being impressed by it. Right. But like, I think there's still, there's still like, there's still some sort of like uncanny valley thing happening. Right. Um, I think, so one of the big things that I've kind of realized, especially with AI is the a huge part of the value of design is the story. Right. And, or the brand, right. And they're kind of one and the same. Um, 
And I think this is kind of where these images or designs kind of feel empty. It's like, even, you know, I feel like I've created some pretty good looking, you know, AI generated chairs and they're beautiful and, you know, I could see them in a store, but they don't have a story. Yeah. Um, they're just kind of, other than they were AI generated. Right. And it, and it's also like, it was so easy. There wasn't like a journey to come up with the idea. Mm. It was just, it popped into existence. Right. Um, and you know, as silly as it sounds, it almost feels like whether it it was a post-it note sketch or you worked, you know, a year on thousands of concepts to come up with the idea, there's still a journey there. Even that post-it note sketch, had, you know, if it was a single post-it note sketch, it still feels like a story. Yeah. Um, and that's what was so, I guess, stressed to me after coming out of my five-day sprint of, like, <laughs> designing was, like, Designers should be storytellers. And the thing is, is like, oh, of course, like that's how it's always been. Yeah. Uh, That's how the best designers have always done it. Right. It doesn't capture, it doesn't capture that. It doesn't capture the business of design. It doesn't capture like the relationships that you have to build. Yeah. The like, you know, the vendors that you have to get in touch with the like quality control. Like it doesn't, it doesn't capture like what it really takes to make a great product because it really is just that beginning sliver, like that spark moment of like, Oh, that's something. Yeah. The thing that I kind of thought was interesting about it is like, you know, I had that made up quote series on my Instagram and I had that quote of like a great sketch of a bad idea is a great idea. Yeah. And I feel like what AI could do is kind of like once again like there's all, all sorts of technology that comes along that sort of levels the playing field um and i feel like what it could do is prioritize like you're talking about with storytelling but it could prioritize the idea over the image yeah um but i also think that like the way that ai is generated it it's like industrial designers need to now become like they really need to know their history mm-hmm. of the visual arts. Well, this is a whole and other they, thing. And they really need to like almost become like English minors or something <laughs> because it is all like Constant language spell check. language yeah. prompts. And so like knowing your history of design and also like being able to like speak eloquently or use like the right adjectives or, you know, whatever to like prompt the AI. Like that's that's sort of like an a new art form within like idea generation. Yeah. I think another thing too, that has been interesting from like an ethical standpoint is when people are typing in inspired by so-and-so inspired by person, especially like a living person where it's like inspired by Jasper Morrison or Burlick brothers. Cause you'll get like, you know, relatively inspired by work when you type that in. It is kind of interesting because obviously AI is looking at, the objects designers have created and taking visual inspiration and not necessary philosophy. This goes back to the story thing. Yeah. It's like it, you know, you type in a chair inspired by Dita Rams and you'll see a chair that looks like a record player. Right. 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 And that's not necessarily 
Dieter Ram's philosophy, but it's how his philosophy kind of influenced his aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, so we're still like ahead of that where it's not necessarily like copying a philosophy of a designer. Right. And is that even like, is that okay to like type in another designer's name? Mm. And you think it kind of goes back to this idea of that, well, we already are inspired by other designers. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting because like you, you mentioned designers that are like Jasper Morrison, like, and, and I feel like we're in this phase also right now where things are starting to go from, I would say there's sort of like been this minimalist almost, but almost like Scandinavian minimalist phase that we've been in, um, for the last couple of years. Do you think so? In, like in what? And well, I it, think we're in, full, in a ma- certain full maximalism in a certain realm. Well, maximalism, maybe in fashion, but do you think maximalism within industrial design? Uh, I think we're, we, I don't know. So I think industrial design is probably a little bit behind like yeah. mainstream culture, but I think, yeah, maximalism in terms of like, if you ever open up TikTok and see what kind of products people are really interested in, in, in TikTok, you mm. know, TikTok's kind of the, the culture is right. right. Like it's the youth culture, and <laughs> we're getting old. I'm almost it's where 30. the youths are. I'm, listen, we're gonna we're gonna age out, James. <laughs> we're not gonna be cool anymore. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's definitely lots of colors, lots of shapes, mm. lots of funky stuff. Yeah, you think about like the New York art furniture design scene. It's definitely a lot more, uh, I don't know, material focused. Just yeah, but I guess. I, it also depends on I, I feel like what world you're in, but corporate, it's like minimal, like Scandinavian. I feel like maybe right. like indie I mean, designer. It's market. like it's like almost postmodern yes. maximal. Yes. But I feel like where AI is going to take us is into, and I I tweeted about this. I have a Twitter. Uh, it's like it's like art tuvo. Like it's Art Nouveau, but it's two point yeah. Because like I feel like that Yeezy Foam Runner is very Art Nouveau. Like I, I was saying in the beginning, and I feel like one of the reasons that we haven't been as passionate about a uh, a design movement like Art Nouveau is because it's very complicated. Like to think about modeling those things in SolidWorks or whatever mm. for like the normal average designer to do that is extremely complicated it's not easy to do organic well um that's a good point and i feel like what ai design might do is push us into a new art nouveau phase where it's like even the stuff that comes out of fusion where you're generating ai feels very art nouveau to me i think i would consider that more generative design yeah but but if you look but i I you're saying if you look at an a if you look at um, the generative stuff right. and then you place it next to an art nouveau piece. There's, there's something harmony, something there's there. a harmony there yeah. because it is, it feels more, they both feel very organic. I um, think, I think too, even to add on that, especially with VR sketching, you know, Gabby sketch and all these, you know, amazing tools. It, it will aid in that organicness, right? People are doing a lot more organic stuff in like Blender and yeah. more kind of generative software. Um, I think you're right. I think there's going to be Artuvo, as you say. <laughs> I guess I'm I'm like just kind of, I both love and hate 
the like the sort of minimalist phase and even like I feel like maybe it's being in New York but I'm also like sort of getting tired of the postmodern phase as well mm. I and I feel like there is a richness of design and art that we're missing in our lives because like it's so much more economical especially for independent designers and everybody to like to design in a more minimalist framework yeah because like it's easy it's easy to conceive it's much easier to like control the quality of something that's much more minimal mm -hmm. um and it's more, yeah, it's more like, appeal, more mass it's, appeal. It's and it's economical. Like it's very economical to like, like the ideas can come and be realized much more quickly, right. basically. And so I feel like we might be entering into like yeah, this much more or, ornate, like almost romantic, Art Nouveau style design where things are just like a bit more complex but not complicated like mm -hmm. beautifully complex like a like a gaudi cathedral yeah cathedral or something like that i don't know i can see that i mean i think that's cool yeah i like that but i i mean i love all i mean i love all facets of design but i just don't see like ai i don't know that it will take over like a uh, like the minimalist front, I feel like it can only sort of I've, like take over the maximalist front in a way, because like, why would you even feed AI something minimal? Because it's so much a box with fillets on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. I, well, here, I don't know. Here's what I will say. I mean, I think the practical use that I've used it for is more of, I almost feel like it's AI is almost like a friend that will tell you, you know, you'll show them your design problem that you've been working on and they'll tell you like, oh, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Yeah. That's how AI feels to me right currently. Right. Um, where, where I'm not really taking, you know, straight inspiration from these images. It's more of I'll have a problem and, you know, maybe it's doing like a light or something and, you know, I'll just generate a bunch of AI concepts and then one of the concepts will have like a small detail that I haven't really seen or thought about before. And it's like, mm. oh, that's, that's an interesting detail. Like, what if I riffed on it? Or like, what if I did this? Or what if I included it in this way? Yeah. So that's kind of how it feels like from a practical standpoint. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I, I think um, one of the points that John Mariello brought up in his design theory video that I thought was impactful was something like what you're talking about, which is, um, he used the example of like the, um, the person playing go against the AI mm -hmm. computer. And like, uh, so go is, a is like supposed to be like one of the more like complicated, like board games. Right. And so the AI made a move that like nobody had even considered before. Yeah. And so like, like you're talking about, it unlocked uh, a, a totally new way of sort of looking at the game. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that it's very possible that AI could just like unblock something for us creatively 
um, rather than like remove us it, from the picture. I think you're, I think it feels like it's the antidote to designer's block. Is it? It might be. That's yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like we could talk about AI for hours and hours cause there's just so much well, packed into it. I, I did have another thought. I was thinking, you know, this idea of story and brand is so important, but how long will that stay around? Because AI can already generate like stories, GPT three. Mm. I don't, I think that's what they call it. The language system. Um, you know, you can type it, you can tell an AI to generate you a story. Hmm. Um, and does it generate you a story around like an object? I haven't never really tried that, but like, I think it would be interesting to, you know, create a design starting with the story and then feeding the story into, you know, an image generation AI yeah. to kind of, to, to complete that gap there. You know, like the, the image doesn't have the story. Um, yeah. It's something, I mean, um, it's, that's interesting. Cause like, um, I know that that's a part of, uh, our friend McKay Nilsson. That's a part of his process is like sitting down and writing about design, mm-hmm. his design before actually like sketching or making something. Yeah. And I've sort of integrated that into my process as well. And I feel like it does result in more unique designs when you're starting with like the story rather than just like, Oh, what would look really cool? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I've been also, I, I would agree. I think that's a, I've been trying to write more and I think I feel like I've heard this before, but it's almost like if you can write down and describe the design on words before you ever make the thing and make it really clear and succinct, then when you make the thing, it's, you know, 10 times better than you would if you were just kind of searching, right. Uh, you know, with just the form. Totally. But cool. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think, was there any other like thoughts about, AI that we wanted to cover. I mean, <laughs> I, mean it, I think it, it is interesting again, just to go back to the idea that I don't think we're going to replace, but it does feel like the junior level kind of reskinning jobs, you know, especially for maybe companies that don't value design, you know, I mean, especially during maybe this, you know, recession or downturn, it feels like I can see some marketing person, mm-hmm. you know, saying, oh, you know, we don't have enough designers to work on this thing. Let me just generate an image. It's possible. And I, but I like, I want to leave, <laughs> I want to leave our audience, which with like, <laughs> is more stu- probably student uh, based yeah. with, with like a more positive note, I guess, which is like, well, first of all, like if you can get on these, like AI, you know, if you can like acquire them, just start, start using them, start understanding them. Um, but also like, I, I do feel like, like the junior designer job I think is just going to transform. Mm. Like I don't like, I think people are still going to care about how you think because like how you think is like going to, be about solutions right. and not necessarily about your hard skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think hard skills are still going to be a thing. I've, I've been thinking a lot about how like it actually makes a lot of sense. There's so many, including yourself and, and myself, like 
we've used design as almost a performance right. on social media. And I feel like even more so now, like design and the fine arts, like visual fine arts, sculpture, like it is going to be a lot about the performance and like the documentation mm. of it. Like that is like still going to fascinate people. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's software, there's AI software that will like shade a sketch, like a really simple sketch. Right. It will render that. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's another, I, I feel like this is just going to be like a step towards like being more of like, you know, a hybrid Android designer. Like this, <laughs> this could just be it does feel like enhancing our capabilities 100%. at a faster rate and not a full on replacement, but yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say. I mean, I definitely agree with that perspective just in general. Like I think if you are eager and open to embracing the new tools and the new ways of working and you're always kind of eager to learn, then you'll be okay. You know, yeah. like, you know, you, as long as you're moving forward, you know, right. you'll be okay. I, th I think it's, it's going to be the people that don't want to adapt, you know, the people that are still kind of, think AI is bad or yeah. don't want to try the new tool. I think that's going to be the tough nut to crack, but totally. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm interested to see how it evolves. I mean, it's, it's this crazy thing. I don't think it's the last time we're going to talk about it for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that another crazy app will come out soon <laughs> with AI. We're going to, all of our, all of our podcasts going forward are going to be all AI generated. It, it, totally could because we have enough data <laughs> there's enough data there to yeah. plug in and make you know my voice and your voice and yeah i just feel like we're still we're still in a time where like technology feels like cold and distant and like i don't think that there's like especially after the pandemic and working remotely i don't think there's anything quite like the human touch and so like I just I think like that's still going to be important mm. going forward is yeah. like the human touch. Yeah. And I feel like somehow subconsciously we all can like feel when something was like yeah, like human generated versus AI generated and maybe like the only way that you can get that into the AI is to like interfere as as a human in, into that process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We will see. All right. I think that was a good episode. That was great. Uh, well, I guess we'll call it. All right. Uh, and as always, I'm Nick and I'm James. Peace later.